Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Keep 100 Radio is brought to you in collaboration with SkinGrip, the only patch company that I trust with my diabetes devices. I started using SkinGrip about two years ago, and before I found them, my Descom would last maybe four or five days before falling off, making it really hard to lift weights, hike with my dogs, or just wanting to do the everyday things that I love. But now I can confidently travel, work out, and navigate life with diabetes without having to worry about dealing with insurance more than I have to, begging for replacements, and resorting to finger parts. Plus, I'm in love with their mission to help us live fearlessly with diabetes. You can check out SkinGrip at SkinGrip.com and save 10% on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Keep 100 Radio. I will say most of our episodes are usually pretty family-friendly. I'm going to preface this episode with that it's rated E. And I say that because Erica has her own podcast named Rated E for Erica. And we're going to dive into a lot of interesting conversations today, all including confidence, uh, diabetes, sex and diabetes, sexuality, sensuality, all the fun things. So I'm super excited to have Erica here. Erica is a sex and confidence coach who works through the lens of health at every size and sex positivity. Erica is a type one diabetic and has been living with this disability for 21 years. Erica believes that every person is deserving of confidence inside and outside of the bedroom. Erica has been featured in Cosmopolitan and was nominated as the 10 top 10 sets and love experts on TikTok. Erica encourages her audience to define confidence for themselves and what it means to be a rad bad bitch. <laughs> when she's not shaking her ass on TikTok, you can find her skateboarding on the boardwalk, listening to Latin music with an overpriced iced coffee in hand. I don't think I could have like come up with a better bio. That was beautiful. Thank you. I actually took a really long time to come up with that because I was like, if someone doesn't know me, what type of picture do I want them to paint in my head? And I think even like, if no one knows me just hearing that, they're like, yeah, like she's skateboarding with hand tattoos and like cute little booty shorts down the California coast with her $12 latte. Right, which is exactly what you can find on your Instagram story. So which perfect. is who I am, other than being in California. Yes, but thank you for having me on. And as Lissy said, we will do a little bit of a viewer discretion advice. Um, I don't say that because I believe that there's shame around the topics of sex and sexuality, but there's definitely age-appropriate conversations to have with our little ones as they develop. And I just think the content for today's episode is not among those lines. If you would like to chat about that though, you're more than welcome to slide into my DMs and I can support you in helping you find resources for age-appropriate conversations. But today is gonna be a little bit of a sexy 18 plus, I would say, conversation. <laughs> I love it. Do you mind, so we kind of introduced yourself or introduced you a little bit in your bio, but let's get the lowdown. Like, who are you? What do you enjoy? Let's just like kind of sprinkle in who Erica is. Yeah, of course. So I was diabetic or I was diabetic. I was diagnosed with diabetes um, at age seven, which is what really started my self-worth journey. A lot of people are like, oh, you start when you're 20s, but a lot of people who have diabetes, and if you're listening to this, you're probably one of them or your children 
are also diabetic. It's that like the second that you are diagnosed, your journey with your relationship to yourself, to your body, to your sexuality heightens and gets very serious because with diabetes. And again, if you've been diagnosed or if your children have been diagnosed and you're listening, we know that there is a very um, realistic approach to when that diagnosis comes in, which means all of a sudden there's a lot of heightened conversations around our bodies. And even though we try our best and nurses try their best to discuss bodies in a positive way, it's very difficult when we're talking about disabilities and illness to speak really positively and encouraging around our abilities. So my journey in and itself started when I was diagnosed. And when you are diagnosed, you're automatically thrown into the stereotype and the stigma that you are not treating your body right, that your parents are incapable of caring for you. And that's why you developed the way that you did. Your body isn't the same. It's not working. It failed you. There's a lot of language that happens. And what people don't understand is that in one area, if you have a lot of shame or if you have a lot of frustration to how you're feeling about something, it will trickle into other areas. So for many of us who are type one, we actually don't realize that a lot of how we feel about ourselves in our relationships, in our career, in our businesses is actually rooted in what we were told to believe about ourselves um, upon diagnosis. Whether that was when you were seven or when you were 20, it changes the way that you start to believe in yourself. And so I grew up in, you know, during puberty, we all go through puberty, we all go through changes, but I really struggled with believing that I was capable, not only within my actual self, but within my physical self as well. And so it trickled into all areas and I ended up developing diabulimia for many years. And it was really just because I was ashamed of being attached to the word diabetes. So I tried to be like every other teen, forget about it, neglect it. Um, and then after I went to school and started going to, off to university, I realized that a lot of the problems that I had in my life, and I mean, I'm very privileged. So like I say problems very loosely, but a lot of the problems that I had, whether it was towards my diabetes, whether it was towards my body, my sexuality, my beliefs in my university degrees and everything, all of it was rooted in the fact that I actually hated myself for having diabetes and was taking a lot of the responsibility on individually rather than recognizing the systemic oppression that people have towards um, the word disability. So when I was in university, I was 21 and I studied, I was studying physical and health education. At the time I wanted to be a cancer researcher and a doctor. And then I had to take these courses because we had like electives and I ended up taking gender equality and social justice. And it was in that program that I learned about things like privilege and racism and um, like ableism and transphobia, homophobia, everything. And that was really when I actually started to understand the relationship that I had with my diabetes was actually really unhealthy. And it was trickling into all the other relationships that I had with myself and with others in my life. So after school, I went to Australia and that was essentially my big aha moment. At this time I had a following because I was talking about my frustrations with diabetes and I was starting to share about my journey. But my time in Australia was really for me to allow myself to work through the shame. And I say shame because it's exactly that. Um, the shame I had towards my devices specifically and how it made my body appear to others. And so I forced myself to live on a beach for a year. 
I had no one around me that I was worried about judging me. And I just allowed myself to make friends with my body, with the way that my devices made my body look. So it wasn't necessarily even just working through the fat phobia and understanding the systemic oppression that we have um, and the thoughts that we have towards the words fat and towards people who are fat, which fat is not a bad word. So if you're cringing right now, listening to this, like I encourage you to break down why you're so scared about the word fat right now. Um, and so I really like had to not only allow myself to work through the journey of loving my physical self as a person in society and in a fat phobic society, but then I also had to work through my ableism that I had. Um, at the beginning of my diabetes diagnosis, I had a really hard time believing that it was a disability. So I was always telling myself like, this isn't a disability, like this doesn't stop me. And I didn't realize that there was actually so much shame that I was putting on myself and on others to not be grouped with the word disabled. So I went through that journey and as I started to trust myself with my body and my physical self, I was able to kind of work through a lot of the dark shadows that I had around my personal self. And after um, Australia, I came back, I worked as a preschool teacher for a couple of years. At this point, I had a really big following. I was sharing a lot about my journey. I was studying sexuality, confidence, self-help, like none other. And then in 2019, I took the jump to start confidence coaching. And then here we are, which is wild, 2022. I'm three years into business. And now my focus is really supporting people with understanding that in order to love yourself, in order to have higher worth, you have to work through the really dark shadows and the beliefs that you probably don't even know that you have in order to allow yourself to really like alleviate yourself and release yourself from the chokehold that a lot of systemic oppressions have on many of us. Yeah, thank you so much for that explanation because I do think that it really gets everybody to really understand you and where you came from because in one side like confidence coaching it just sounds like another oh like think positively and there's so many added layers to that especially in ties with diabetes I know that you don't specifically work with type 1 diabetics you work with everybody yeah. but just on the diabetes side you're right there's so many so much of that those internal ties that we don't realize for that we're building there's the uh media presence of what diabetes actually means and when I was diagnosed at 19, I did have that pr privilege of, I'm a naturally petite person. I didn't really have as much of that stigma that tied with the diagnosis. You know, a lot of people still told me, oh, you ate too much sugar. You ate too much bread growing up, but I didn't have that additional kind of tie to oh, it. Oh, you're fat. So that's why. Right. Or, oh, you're type two, like anything like that, which yeah. that's a conversation. A whole other podcast episode. Right. Right. <laughs> which is coming, but yeah, yeah for um, sure. But yeah, we have those internal ties of like, okay, now we're associating and identifying with a number, not only in our weight, but in the carbs that we're eating in the number on our meter in our A1C, there's so many different things that layer on top of it. And then when you have all these outside perspectives of what you should or shouldn't do and what you should or shouldn't mm -hmm. put in your body, it just adds so many layers to it. That's like, it really changes your identity, no matter how old you are when you're diagnosed. It does and it does. And it even changes the relationships that we have with um, our sexuality, right? So as someone who really focuses a lot on helping people gain confidence in their sexuality, I want you to even think about right now, like if you are a type one diabetic or even a diabetic just listening, I want you to ask yourself, like if you're struggling right now with feeling confident in your sexuality, there could be a layer that you have never seen 
or I've been told that people who are disabled are able to be sexy and are able to have sexual desires. Because if you look at porn, if you look at the media, if you look at the content that's in our online diabetes community, we don't really talk about the ability of people with disabilities having sexual urges and having this desire to be sexual. And we don't see it in our, you know, representation of people who are disabled, whether it's a physical disability, an emotional one, a mental one, we don't see people owning and allowing themselves to be this sexual person because we just assume that the that they don't have that or they're not allowed to have that. And so even for my coaching, right, a lot of a lot of people come to me and they're like, I don't know how to feel sexy with my devices. And I'm like, well, that's because we don't we're not really told that people with disabilities are allowed mm -hmm. to feel sexy while having this really intense relationship, a very difficult and different relationship with our bodies. Right. That was a huge one for me. I mean, being diagnosed at 19, it was like, I can't imagine that's, that's kind of right when you're starting to figure those things out, especially like in college, like, sorry. Mom. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You're exploring and you're having fun. Like, oh, now I have like needles that I have to bring around. I have these devices that I need to wear. Like blood mm -hmm. isn't sexy. So like, it's like a whole different identification process and being like, how do I even like allow other people and partners into my life when like, I don't even have that confidence in that part of me. Totally, totally. And a big thing too, that I noticed within like the type one community specifically is people feeling like they have to put their diabetes to the side in order to enter into their sexuality. So a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, I can't have sex because the second I go low, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to enjoy it, but my blood sugar is low, but I feel guilty to say, yo, quit the thrusting, like your girl needs some juice before we get some other juice going here, you know? And so even a big part of my coaching and a big part of my advocacy within my clients who are type one is giving them the availability to advocate for themselves. And that's rooted even just in personal advocacy from the beginning, right? So I just kind of want to like, if it's cool, offer a little tip for people because I know it's one of the most, one of my main topics that I get asked, but if you are someone that's listening right now that has a really hard time allowing your disability to exist within your sexuality, I'm going to offer you an opportunity to practice advocating and asking for what you need outside of the bedroom. So when we talk about sex and we, especially through the lens of diabetes, um, some of us struggle, especially if you have years under your belt of feeling guilty about asking for juice boxes or having to sit out on workouts or feeling like you have to be different or that you can't eat the family dessert because your blood sugar is 18 or 400 or whatever you guys, whatever that transaction is, right? So something that I find is really interesting is that a lot of my type one clients have a hard time expressing their sexual desires in the bedroom because they feel like they are a burden outside of it. So if you're struggling right now in saying whether it's, hey, I want ABC done to me in the bedroom, or if you're struggling to say, yo, pump the brakes, my, my diabetes is not good right now, I would advise you to work on self-advocacy outside the bedroom and getting comfortable with expressing your needs and working through the burden and the shame or the frustrations that you feel when you have to ask someone for help, which is like, I know the worst thing ever. I was with my friend a couple of weeks ago and I was at her house and I had used up all my juice and I've had diabetes y'all for 22 years. I am the most confident person. I can ask to be choked and 
someone to spit in my mouth with like no shame to ask for some juice because my blood sugar was low just truly showed me that even after 22 years and as someone who works through releasing myself from the burden from this disease it's really hard to ask for what you need and so I want you to be gentle with yourself if you're listening right now and really struggling with that aspect of not knowing how to ask for what you want or what you need or being able to take breaks you are conditioned to feel burden and you are conditioned to believe that when you need something um, that you are a failure or that you are being an inconvenience and I just want you to be gentle with yourself if you're listening right now and you're like fuck yeah that's me because that's you know maybe you have two years maybe you have 20 years under your belt where you feel like any inconvenience for someone else is going to be a reflection of you and your worth or your ability or your responsibility to care for yourself. Mm. That was a mouthful, but that was so good. No, that's, that's so good. And it's really not something that you really, even, I would even think of as a, a connecting point, but it really is because we are constantly having to advocate for ourselves, where we, we feel like we always have to. And that comes with being very vocal in what we need, whether it's a juice box or anything in the bedroom, like you mentioned, and it can go like getting some candies in the middle of, <laughs> in the middle of having amazing sex. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that there, and to your point, like advocacy comes in both ways. It's expressing what you need and what you don't need at the same time. Saying no, saying my blood sugar is low. But I think that there's also this other area of understanding that diabetes does have these other impacts on our body. So um, I think me and you actually had a conversation one time about like it affects our libido. It can affect like our yes. mood, our like our energy. Yeah. And that's another like funny thing that I always kind of like notice within my type one clients, because even though I don't advocate just for type one clients, I would say that about 70 to 80% of my clients are from the type one community. And it's funny because the reason why a lot of them will even message me and be like, I need coaching. Like something's wrong with me. Like my libido's low and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Hey babe, I, I saw on your stories that your blood sugar was 400 a couple hours ago. Like <laughs> Do you think that maybe that could have something to do with it? And it's true, right? And of course, because there's so much shame around sex, I know even myself, like I, you know, I never got a sex talk from my doctors, let alone from my actual like family doctor, but let like my endocrinologist never explained the difference between hormones and diabetes. Um, I never understood the difference from, you know, whether it was a social worker or a therapist, the relationship that we have towards our devices and our body confidence and sexuality and being naked in front of people. Right. So these aren't conversations that are happening a lot. And thank God for the online diabetes community. I feel like we're all literally just like all holding hands, singing Kumbaya in a fucking circle, trying to survive right now. But yeah. it's true. Right. There's a lot of connections. And so sometimes even as someone with a disability and with diabetes, we have to even be that much more compassionate towards ourselves when it comes to our sex and sexuality. So if you're struggling with accepting your diabetes right now, yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult to like strip down to your nitty gritties and like spread your butt cheeks with your pump everywhere. And maybe you'll feel, you know, a little bit nervous to have a random hookup or invite someone in because you're like, now I have to fucking teach someone about my diabetes. And now I have to like, it's a whole other can of worms, right? And so I think when it comes to our sexuality and our diabetes, it's so important to really recognize that your, your stress levels, your 
insulin levels, even how much insulin you take in a day. Let's just say you just have a really like random day. You know how sometimes you have those days where you just take like 900 extra units for no fucking reason. You're like, I literally blinked twice in the morning instead of four times. And now I like, you know, even a day like that, a couple days after, like your body's going to feel a little bit heavier and not in terms of weight, but you know, when you have a lot of insulin in you and you're just like, I'm sluggish. You can feel it. You can feel it. And that's going to affect how you feel in your body. And when you don't feel good in your body, it's hard to open up the availability to pleasure. So when we are dealing with blood sugars that are a little bit wonky and when we're dealing with trying to like navigate, maybe it's a new insulin or working out and all those things, that's all going to play a role in how you feel, which is then going to play a role in how you emotionally feel, which your libido is sometimes also in your brain. It's not just in your body. Um, It's going to affect everything. Yep. Tell that to a type A person like myself. Mm, Yeah. I know. (laughs) I have so many clients that are like, when my blood sugar is 9.9, I'm like, it's not going to work that way. So, you know, and another good thing, if I can also add, because I know I just keep talking and talking. Um, If you are someone that is struggling with um, just feeling really frustrated, because I know for myself, like, I'll be honest with y'all, I'm like about a 40 to 60% person in range per week. And I'm good with it. Like, that's just, how my life is. I'm a freaking business owner and I'm wild and that's how it works. But if you're someone that's like, I, my blood sugars are just not working right now. I never feel good. Nothing's working. And then you're giving yourself this frustration that you need to be a good partner and good partners have lots of sex. Let's just say that's your story right now. I want you to allow yourself to remove yourself from the idea that your intimacy, whether it's with yourself or with others, doesn't always have to include your genitals. And you can actually work through the lens of sensuality if the idea of expressing yourself sexually right now doesn't really align. So your sensuality is your relationship that you have with your senses in relation to pleasure. So right now, if you're like, my blood sugars are everywhere. I'm exhausted. I'm a mom. I have three kids running around and my blood sugars are 190 every single day. And you're like, and now I'm a shitty partner because I'm not having sex or I'm not in the mood to have sex, right? Work through sensuality, massages, having shared time together, together, cuddling, handholding, watching your favorite movie, cooking together, stretching together, yoga together, Sex and diabetes is a really sensitive area and topic to work through. And so it's important to express if you're feeling stressed from your partners or if you're feeling pressure from your partners or from yourself is allowing yourself to remove the idea that intimacy has to come through your genitals Mm -hmm. and that you can actually still have a very intimate relationship with yourself or with others um, through other activities as well that you can work through together. Right. I love that. Cause you're right. It's so multi-layered and there's so many different components. Now no. somebody listening and let's just say they don't have a partner or they're just kind mm-hmm. of exploring their own sensuality. Mm. How would you recommend that they do that on their own? Yeah. So again, like if your blood sugar is 400, although mind you, let me just preface this. Some of my favorite orgasms that I've had have been when my blood sugars have been high and I'm like, I just need to release something. Like I just need to experience some type of joy. So I'll tell you this is that sometimes, even if you're not really feeling it, when you start to allow yourself to be open to the idea of receiving pleasure, sometimes it can lead to more of a sexual idea of pleasure, but sometimes it doesn't. But what I would say is if you're not partnered right now and you are struggling with your diabetes, you're struggling with your blood sugars and your sexuality, 
work through the relationship of loving in on your body. So that means um, when I say be in your body, with diabetes, you likely have a very strained relationship with your body or a very difficult one. You might be at the point of your confidence journey or of your journey of life where you're like, no bitch, I fucking love my body and I'm connected to it. And that's okay too. The best way to develop a positive relationship with your body, which then relates to a positive relationship with your sexuality is to be in your body. So because of our diabetes, we are very much in our heads about our body. So we don't really get the option to remove ourselves from our thoughts about our body. So um, the important thing for people who are diabetic is that you spend intentional time giving back to your body in a really pleasurable and enjoyable way. So this can be through massages and this can be also giving yourself a massage. There are some great body oils that you can get at the stag shop and at your local sex store, support local, um, that you can get. And it's sometimes even as easy as being like, you know what? I have half an hour to myself before I have to work or half an hour before my next thing. I'm going to put my favorite playlist on. Maybe you have a favorite artist. I'm going to light some candles. I'm going to put my LED lights on and I'm just going to like massage my body and nurture my body. And then maybe you end up having a cup of tea with it. And then you make yourself a really nice meal in the kitchen in the dark, right? So even that is 45 minutes where you are loving on your body in a positive way and connecting with it rather than being really in your head about that. Now to even go an added layer, you would make a meal that you know the carbs, you know what it's gonna do to your body. So you alleviate your frustrations that you might have. So that might be like, okay, I'm gonna order lasagna. I know it's 15 units that I need to take. And I know in an hour, my blood sugar is gonna be through the roof from the fats. So I'm gonna just know that in one hour, I'm gonna set my alarm, I'm gonna take my insulin and that's that, right? So. If you are someone that's really disconnected to your body right now, it's not because you probably hate yourself. It's probably because when you think about your body, you think about 900 million things in terms of, fuck, okay, I forgot to get my insulin. Fuck, I forgot to take this. Oh, why am I double arrows up? Oh my God, I'm stressed from work and now it's affecting ABC, right? A lot of the way that we think about our body is really frustrating, but it's necessary. We can't really just like not think about diabetes. So allowing yourself to be in this mindset and it takes some training, but it's like my number one trick is to be in the mindset of a pleasure seeker. So being able to wake up every day and be like, how can I give myself pleasure in my day-to-day, -day, because let me tell you, and you know this, there's 190 moments in a day, even on the best diabetes day, where you're not receiving any pleasure whatsoever. Right. Yeah, we're constantly making these decisions about our bodies, our numbers, and then throw in this diagnosis where we're kind of like taught to mistrust our body, or we just kind of naturally do, because in a way it turned on us. And that can change the total way that we treat our body or approach different situations. So I really, really like that. Yeah. Cause like, let me like paint a little picture for you because sometimes people, they'll, they'll look at my Instagram or they'll look at my life and they'll be like, bitch, how the fuck do you do? <laughs> and I'm like, you have to be in the mindset to be open to it. So for example, right now you're drinking water, right? 
So maybe right now you're just like, okay, hey, I'm drinking water. Whereas when you work through the mind of pleasure seeking and sensuality, that water becomes nourishing. It becomes um, a sense of fresh air, right? So for myself, I wake up and 99% of the time I'm low or I'm high. I can't figure it out. And honestly, I work from home and I don't work that much. So I don't give a fuck. It's not at the top of my priorities right now. So when I wake up, if my blood sugar is low, I'm not like, fuck this. And finding like a gross juice box. You best believe that the only juice I keep in this house is my favorite flavor, which is Allen's peach juice Mm. and no name grape. If you live in Canada, no frills, it's the cheapest shit. I only will keep those two juices. And in my fridge, I'll keep extra pulp Tropicana. So every time I wake up and my blood sugar is low, which used to really fucking throw me off for a day, I now know that I have actively chosen to enjoy a juice that makes me feel good, right? Then I wake up and when I have my shower, I bring my speaker with me and I put my favorite playlist on. And then when I make my breakfast, I have eggs and I use three pounds of butter for my two little eggs. And then I have peanut butter, not the like, not the sugar-free shit, nah, the real shit. I bolus for my peanut butter on my favorite white bread. You know what I'm saying? And so as you go through your day, right, all these, all these times that I was frustrated with, because eating used to cause me a lot of anxiety, waking up caused me anxiety, showering caused me anxiety because my blood sugar goes really high in the shower. Um, Working out all of these things used to be a really, really difficult thing. Whereas now I'm like, I know my blood sugars are going to be wild. I know I'm going to get ketones like here and there because some people are really receptive and I find myself with ketones a lot more than what I like to, but I know that that's going to happen. So how can I make this work for me in a way that brings me pleasure. I go to a mall half an hour away because I found this one random girl in the stand. You know those kiosks? Yeah, yeah. I found this girl a couple months ago and she makes her own little bags of candy. And so one time I was low when I was shopping, which we all know is literally the worst. And now with masks and you're low and you're sweating and you're like, this is death. Yeah. So I was shopping and I was like... I'm going to buy some candy. Like, fuck that. Like, I'm like not in a rush. I was like, I'm going to sit and just eat some candy. And it was the best candy I have ever eaten in my whole entire life. And I have no idea why, because not a single candy in this massive bag that I got was disgusting. So now what I do is I go once every couple of weeks and I buy this fucking bag of candy because it's so good. And I know that when I'm low, I'm going to eat something that I really like. Right. And so it's this availability to be like, I know shit's going to happen. I know I'm going to feel like crap. How can I set myself up for these moments of pleasure rather than it being something that really drags me down? Right. I love that. It's making every experience very intentional and making sure that it's an experience. Yeah. And And like even my water, I'm not drinking that out of a glass that feels weird on my mouth. I went and bought a $30. Now that's a privilege also, but I went and chose my favorite Starbucks tumbler. It's green. I knew it was going to come at Christmas. So I waited all summer because I was like, this red's not working. This pink's not working. I bought it. And now every time I drink it, I'm really proud of myself and it feels bougie and it feels special because it's my water. Right. Right. This is a mindset that you have to allow yourself to be like, oh, when I put lotion on my body, it's not because I have to, it's because I'm going to have like a sensual moment with myself and I'm going to buy the lotion that smells my favorite. 
things like that are going to allow you to connect to your body and be open to pleasure, which will then pleasure seeks pleasure. It's the same as dopamine. So when you do one thing that makes you feel good, your brain says, oh, give me more. Right. And pleasure is the exact same way. Now, the only problem about pleasure is that we are told that pleasure equals genitals and that's it. We're never told that we get pleasure from the things that we eat, the things that we smell, the things that we listen to each and every day. Yeah. I actually, it's interesting. That's very similar to the holistic approach as well, which sounds kind of, Mm. you know, sounds different, but hear me out. Like, so in, um, so into the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and in that course, we, we learned about the circle of life, not Lion King, anything like that, but (laughs) But um, like, that would also be fun to learn about. (laughs) Right. Right. But we learned that like when we feel fulfilled in all these other external areas, so fueling ourselves in these other areas of wellness, so our home environment, our activity, our, our meals that we eat, um, our creativity, basically all the areas that you named as well, then that's what equals wellness. So it's actually the same kind of idea of treating those areas with like that pleasure approach or just truly going for what Right. Um, so, and that's what equals health and wellness. And I think that's, it, it does tie into diabetes, even when we don't think that it does. Yeah. And I think the big thing about like, you know, the, the, my biggest frustration with like diabetes, I think is how we were told to how, how we were told our relationship should be with it. So I remember even like my doctors being like, this is really difficult and it's the worst thing ever. Like I literally look at like myself sometimes in the mirror and I'm like, I can't do this for another 50 years. So like, can the meteor come? Like, can a meteor come and just like take out the world because I can't do this for another 50 years, right? Like it's a really difficult disease to have, but the story and the language that we were told about it is very much like, well, this is that. So you just got to do it. Like, I know it sucks, but you just got to do it. So then for me, I was like, okay, well, if I have to wake up three times in the middle of the night, because my blood sugar is low, bet I'm going to be eating the best fucking candy that I can find. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to have really high blood sugars, like I'm going to have the comfiest pillows and blankets and all of the subscriptions possible to every single Netflix, Crave, Hey, whatever they are. Like, I'm going to make sure I have that so that when I'm lying in bed, I'm drinking my water out of my Starbucks cup. I got my fuzzy blanket. I got my LED lights on and I'm watching Kim Kardashian or whatever the fuck I decide to watch. And I'm going to enjoy quote unquote, said very loosely as best as possible. Right. But I think that's my biggest frustration and that I find a lot of my clients also have is that they're like, how the fuck do you enjoy life when 99% of your life is math equations and then anxiety? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, good, good question. Like really good question. Yeah. Because think about it. I mean, even to your point of like the blood sugars are going to happen. I, I like, and I'm very much like, I, t- I, I appreciate the proactive approach. I, you know, that's obviously what I teach my clients, but no matter what we do, there's no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing as the straight line. So we might as well approach these moments with care and grace and making the best, tr- you know, treating ourselves the best that we can during them. Like what, totally. what is like, what's going to serve us about feeling guilty and shame and getting mad over yeah. it? And if I can offer like a really wild side loop to this like conversation, uh, something else, another feeling that I experience with a lot of my clients is the availability to surrender. 
because mm. a lot of us have control. Um, we have a very tight relationship, I'll say, with the idea of control, right? And no one likes to feel out of control, whether you're diabetic or not. The idea of feeling out of control is at times can be traumatizing and at other times can just be really like almost debilitating, right? Like it can stop you from doing a lot of things. And so in relation to that and swooping it back into your sexuality with diabetes, I also will say, watch and see if you have a hard time allowing yourself to get to whether it's orgasm, whether it's climax, whether whatever it is that you are maybe trying to allow your body to get to if you have a hard time trusting your body because you feel out of control in your body when you're in moments of pleasure you might actually start to notice too that you are stopping yourself from allowing yourself to dive into deep orgasm or from climate climax because we are told to fear our bodies. We're told to fear when we feel out of control. And for many of us, orgasms, climax, those are moments where we feel a little bit sometimes out of control, especially if we haven't really experienced that. So also note too, like the way that you see your body and your diabetes and the way that you have a relationship with that is also going to carry into whether it's the bedroom by yourself or with others as well. Yeah, that's, um, that's beautiful. And like, it's just so funny when you say some of these, some of these things, I'm like, she's talking to me. Like, I'm very, like, if, if you know me, if you follow me on Instagram, you're my client, like, you know, I'm pretty type A. I'm not controlling by any means of my body and my diabetes, but like, I, I like to be organized and I like, no, you are, you're a Virgo, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't also help either. And so even like that, right? Like sometimes when we're like, you know, and, and, and it's scary to lose control of your body. Like whether you are, um, maybe you're like skateboarding and you're going down a hill and you're like, oh my God, I'm losing my stability. Maybe you're lifting weights and you have like 200 pounds over your face and you're like, holy fuck, like, I don't know if I can hand this, right? And then when you're also in the bed and you're like, oh my God, I think I'm gonna have an orgasm. It's scary to be able to say, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna trust my body that it's gonna keep me in a safe position and I'm gonna experience, be able to experience something that I've never experienced before. And then you add, like, that's just like for like the person that doesn't even have diabetes. Then you add this fear of like, oh, if you let your body go out of control, like you can die and you can go blind and you can like, of course you have this fear or potentially have this frustration and fear around your pleasure because you're like, well, fuck, if I let my body go out of control, I could die. <laughs> like, Really, that's what we're told and that's what we believe. So why is it any different? when we're in the bedroom or experiencing sexual pleasure, right? So it does carry over. And I think there needs to be more conversations, which is why we're here, but more conversations to support people in understanding that how you feel about your body in relation to your diabetes will affect how you feel about your body image and your worth and your size and your shape. And it will also affect your sexuality and how you feel even about your health and all those, like you were saying, holistic areas. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all kind of like building a muscle, like no matter who you are, it has to start somewhere. And that like, most of the time is going to be something small. So like, just like you're mentioning in the gym, before you get can get to 200 pounds and trust in your body to lift that, you start with the two pound, you start with the five pound. It's just like being able to accept your diabetes, like, you know, starting to look at your devices in the mirror, then like taking pictures of yourself and then like 
you know, it, it kind of snowballs into confidence and it like, that's really what it is. Like there's no just confident or not. It's a spectrum. And that's spectrum. Right. totally. Yeah. I know people are always like, how did you like start your journey and like accepting yourself? I'm like, my OGs will know, but I used to literally go in my mirror every day and dance to Latin music with my devices showing and I would post it on Instagram and people are like, you're so inspiring. I've never seen someone with a pump. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually right. Like we haven't now, like where I'm at in my own personal journey, like I have people messaging me being like, I had group sex with my devices on and I didn't feel the urge to take off my pump because no one else had it on. I just said, y'all better watch yourselves because you might be getting a rope around your neck and it's not the type of rope that you want. <laughs> like it's not coming from like the bondage stuff. It's coming from my diabetes. And so that's also really cool now that like, you know, if you are someone that's like, I don't see myself in in media, right? Like try to find, and I know this sounds wild, but like there are porn stars, there are like girls on OnlyFans and people on OnlyFans who showcase their disability as a part of who they are and allow it to be like, well, here's who I am. And my diabetes devices come with that. And even like indulging in content of people in lingerie with their devices or, or people working out with their devices, whatever you're struggling with right now in terms of accepting your diabetes, there are people out there who are like, let me show you how to abracadabra, like, you know that TikTok song? <laughs> like, but there's people out there who want to be representation for you. And it does take a little bit of time to find people, but allow yourself to know that there are people rooting for you who are like, fuck this. There's no way in hell anymore that I'm going to feel ugly. Cause this is the story that I used to tell myself, oh, I need to hide my device from my boudoir photo shoots. No, you fucking don't. Yeah. And honestly, I learned this the best way possible. Cause for those of you that don't know, I was in a six year relationship and I pieced the fuck out in 2020 on amazing terms. Mm -hmm. But then I started dating because I knew exactly what I was looking for. And so my, my number, like, I'll tell you this because you might be like, bitch, no, I promise you. I ask every single person that I date because I love, I have a praise kink, which means I love being told that I'm amazing. Um, and I ask every single person that I date what their favorite thing is about me, what they find the sexiest about me. And I will tell you, nine out of 10 of the people that I ask say that they fucking love, not just like, they love and find it so sexy that I rock my diabetes shit while I'm also being like a porn star on OnlyFans and selling my nudes. Like, I literally can't tell you how many guys on my OnlyFans are like, I love your diabetes devices. I'm like, what about my butthole? Like, what do you think about my butthole? Do you like that? But they love it. And it's not just like these random people. Like these are people that I deeply love. These are people that I have really great relationships with who could say a million and a half things but I remember the first time this guy said to me, you know what my favorite thing about you is? And I was like, hmm, tell me. I was like, you know, he's like, I fucking love that you rock your diabetes shit in all your photos on your Instagram. And you're so fucking sexy while you do it. And that to me, I was like, yeah, actually it is very sexy. Now, when I look at myself in bikini pics or when I take nudes, I'm like, like you're kind of badass. <laughs> Yeah, you're a sick bitch. Like, yeah, this the one of the hardest diseases to manage, and you're also one of the hottest bitches ever. Like, like own it. Like, own that shit because your confidence in your body and in your sexuality and in your devices will only make you stand out that much more. 
when you're ashamed of it and when you try to hide who like this big part of who you are you know it's kind of it, it kind of makes it feel like oh like they're not really like proud of themselves they don't love themselves and that energy you know it reeks into it like a lot of the people that I know that I'm the most confident are against every single Eurocentric beauty standard. They are, they are fat, they are disabled, they are, you know, they're, they're people of color and, and black women and black folks. Like they are the people that society says, mm, like, you're not supposed to have that much worth and confidence, which is like as whole system, like, you know, I'm not making this as a joke. This is a very serious topic. The people that are fighting against these systemic oppressions that are owning their individuality, whether it's a disability or the color of their skin or their race or their gender, like those are the people that are like, fuck yeah. So I just want to give you a bit of encouragement if you're listening, being like, I, well, of course you're sexy because you're a sex coach. No, 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 no. (laughs) Like, well, first of all, like it took you time to get there. Like it wasn't just a process. And I, I mean, to your point, like, I think it's, well first of all to the point of like the like this is how we make change is by having those leaders who like can show us that it's possible and then everybody else taking that initiative and following and to your point like I think it's really important that we surround ourselves with the with the energy that we want to bring into our ourselves so for those who don't know I've actually known Erica since I mean, we talked on Instagram, I think in like 2018, but 2019, yeah, the same business coaching program. Yeah, and we did. First of all, Erica then versus Erica now, two very <laughs> different people. But I have loved seeing you evolve into who you are. Like who you are now, you can you can see is like very much who you are. And it's who I am in the core. Yeah. It's like from an outside perspective, I'm just like, it makes me so happy to see. I love Um, that. Yeah. And you know what, like, and I'm glad that you said that too, because, um, you know, just kind of like as a wrap up, like you don't have to be who you, like you, you won't be who you are right now, but also too, if you don't really feel connected to the person that you are right now, like it's okay to change. When, when Lissy and I first were in the same program together and we were like little buddies because we were both type one. Um, I was, I have long blonde hair, I was like a size eight, which like, it doesn't matter, but like, I just want to give you a little bit of like preference to like how you can maybe like start to see the difference. Um, I had a pink office. I was in a relationship that was really safe. Um, And then just even two years later, like I have short black Bob. I have tattoos covering 50% of my body. I moved out. I live with a roommate. Like I am a size 14, 16. Like I look very different and it's okay if you need to like change yourself a little bit to feel a little bit more aligned to what feels sexy and good for you right yeah it just it's so interesting seeing the change but it's like very inspiring because it's like also for those who don't know I worked with Erica as I hell yeah you did but like just in that sense of like that confidence that you showed me to have in my business that goes into other areas and you allowed me to like have permission to say okay like I can bring who I am into this. It doesn't need to be perfect. It can be messy. It can be, it can change to your point, but like you're allowed to express who you are. And I think that's exactly what you do for your clients now and different, a different little bit of a different perspective, but can you speak to kind of like, I know we've kind of sprinkled it in during the episode, but what you do, who you help, how you support them um, in everything in between. Cause I think it's yeah. 
Yeah, totally. So I have many different clients, I would say, that I associate with. Um, I have people, I would say 90% of my clients just come to me. They're people that really are at that edge of being like, yeah, okay, like I can do it my way, but they need like the cheerleader. They need to understand like how to break free from that. They're like, I know this ain't it. I know that I can like be more myself. I can be more authentic. I can be more confident, but they need the actual understanding of like how to release themselves. And it's not just as easy as being like, well, just try like, no, no, no. It's like facing a lot of your shadows and a lot of your frustrations. So the people that I work with, some of them are type one, some of them aren't, but for the most part, um, I really am working towards supporting people releasing from the chokehold that like societal standards has on them. Um, A lot of them are business owners. I love working with people who are starting their own businesses, coaches in the industry, just people that are like, okay, there's a lot of like rules to follow, but I just don't want to really follow them. So I help people develop their own syllabus, repertoire, like guidelines of who they are so that they can feel confident in approaching whatever it is, whether it's their business, whether it's the relationships that they want, um, whatever that looks like for them, I can support them in breaking free from what they think they have to be. So I love doing that. I also have programs where I teach people about sensual movement and sensual dancing and building confidence through through that. So it's a really great opportunity to kind of just like have a place where you can express yourself in a safe space um, that's not necessarily like, you know, out in public, it's online, it's fun. So, um, so yeah, that's what that looks like. I love it. It's it's so interesting again to see how it's evolved because just from what you did in your confidence program to now helping business owners, helping people just express themselves in that way too. Like it's just, it all comes together, but it's very like, I don't know. I don't know how to word it, but yeah, no, it, it, it's because that's the thing, right? Like I love teaching people how to feel confident in the bedroom. I love, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how then they're like, oh, well then I asked for a raise at work. I'm like, imagine that, you know, yeah, like, right. like wild like I'm like oh yeah it's kind of funny isn't it but it really is all connected right the way that you view yourself in and your confidence in your business and who you are as a person physically emotionally and then also too within the bedroom and within our sexuality because people really like to believe that that's like not an important piece of who we are but it's actually like a huge part of who you are and your connection with gender and your connection to sex and sexuality it's really um yeah it's really important in how we feel about ourselves yeah. And it, and it does tie into every other area. Everything. So if you think it doesn't, it does. <laughs> so where can people find you? I know you're on Instagram. You have your own podcast. Give us all the places to stalk you. Totally. Yeah. So one of the best places to connect with me is on Instagram. You can follow me at Erica with a K. Um, Erica's Confidence Co with an underscore at the bottom. So that's my new page because Instagram loves banning my other one. So I'm on page number four right now. So you can find me there. Also, if you love listening to my voice, which like holla because I am so fucking annoying. Um, If you love listening to this and just hearing my thoughts on things, my podcast is top rated in Canada for self-development and it's called Rated E for Erica. It will pop up when you type in rat, which is very on brand for me. Hells yeah. Um, So you can listen there. I have about 30 episodes all about confidence in the realm of um, business, body, yourself, and um, the bedroom as well. Um, I'm also on TikTok, but you can just find that all through my Instagram. So best place to come and hang out with me is on Insta, and then we can go from there. Amazing. I'll make sure that your information is on the show notes so everybody can 
hang out with you because honestly like I love your page I love everything that you stand for and thanks thanks so much for coming on because I think more people need to know about you and your work hell yeah thanks for having me and I'm proud of you and everything that you're doing and the way that you're paving your own in the online community as well because I know that the online community can be a little bit interesting (laughs) good word good word interesting sometimes so I'm proud of you for standing true and who you are as well thank you I appreciate you you are so welcome thanks for listening to to me chat my chat off everyone